Hello and welcome to the STC Fit Learning Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name's Ben Scott. I'll be joined by Jason Galea. Thanks for joining us on our way to create 1 million positive outcomes for personal training clients by 2030. The podcast is brought to you by at STC Fit Learning, a page created to upskill and educate PTs and gym nerds. Also brought to you by at STC Fit, and that's a place for all your online and in-person personal training needs. If you enjoyed today's episodes, please give us a share and tag on the Instawebs. You can tag at STC Fit, at STC Fit Learning, at Ben Scott SC, and at Jason Galea PC. Hope you enjoy the show. What's up, Jason? It's really hard to answer because we've been chatting for about 35 minutes <laughs> about everything, <laughs> like literally everything. <laughs> Uh, fuck, Jason and I have wasted What's all up? of our caffeine before we hit record. Um, I'm good. I just had the last sip of uh, my Ultra Paradise Monster. I cleaned out, cleaned out Woolies. The last yeah, it's a, I was supposed to have a coffee session at 2 p.m. with someone. It's like, I'm going to have water and you can have coffee. <laughs> I am sufficiently monstered. Yeah, yep. We're, we're struggling. Like we're struggling for topics of conversation, like just generally lots of talk yeah. about on the podcast. Just, yeah. It's like, what do you, I rang my mom today. She's like, what have you been doing? I'm like, please don't ask me that question. mom. <laughs> like ask me how I am. I want to know how you are. I hope you're okay. I love you. Yeah. I'll speak to you next week. <laughs> sometimes I train. Sometimes I sit on the couch and other times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm like the, I said the most exciting news that happened was someone robbed some shit out of my car and went on a spending spree and yeah that's it <laughs> yeah highlight yeah highlight like, of the it's, month. it's bad news but it's something to talk about <laughs> yeah anyway. have you started last chance you yet no i have not what am i what am i watching at the moment so i'm watching power when they yeah Kanan. i need to get stan to watch the new ones raising canaan raising canaan's good i couldn't do the Tariq one i was too salty about like what happened <laughs> in the actual no season spoilers, of no spoilers. yeah so i was like i was too salty and i'm like no nah, i can't watch this like i just can't i don't like i don't like Tariq. yeah um so yeah but now nah, the canaan one's good so i'm like right into that but like all the shows that i'm i'm into like we're talking about they're all you know getting delayed you know yellowstone's not mm. coming out till you know i think like november now or something um and then there's like which are um yeah. i can't even remember them to be honest because like there's that many so yeah like struggle we've just show. finished heaps in a row and then we yeah. found it's called um it's gonna sound really lame when i explain it it's called warrior <laughs> nun on netflix uh, someone else told me about this it's fucking awesome man yeah right. i really yeah. enjoyed it yeah i yeah, mean cool. i watched it watched the first season in a week and then yeah. realized that there was no second season we're like oh fuck we we put a lot of time into Blacklist, like saw through some pretty shit seasons. And yeah, it came yeah. good, yeah. and then it finished. I'm like, fuck now. And then like Loki shit, I'm really disappointed yeah. in that. Finish Winter Soldier. Nice. Yeah, yeah. There's not not much kicking around. At the yeah. I'm I'm at the point now where like I do my homework on the series before I start it because I'm like, I, if I'm gonna give myself to this show, it's got to be worth it, and it has to have more than like one or two seasons. Yeah, and there's just so many like that. Like uh, Steph and I like a bit of history. Mm. So we were watching some show about like the Mongol empire and like, we fucking loved it. Like yeah. it was amazing. And then like, I didn't realize that it had two seasons. And then after that, it was, it was gone. So then I just like, it was like the episode of like, you know, Homer goes to all you can eat. And then they kicked him out. So he went fishing afterwards. Like I was on fucking YouTube looking up like the Mongol empire and trying to like, <laughs> you know, learn about Genghis Khan and all this shit. And yeah. I'm like, oh, bro, just give up. <laughs> <laughs> it's too far. Because this too is far real. And like that was entertaining. It's not the same. Like, yeah. Like, oh, no, I think, yeah. um, yeah, Warrior Nun's been my highlight of the year, I think, from like a season's perspective. Because it's like, everyone's like, oh, no, 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 you got to get through the first season for all the shows now. It's like, fuck your first season. Like, I want to be entertained now, not yeah. in 10 hours. Yeah, Steph's a real like first 20 minutes of the episode, season one, episode one. Yeah. I'm, I'm willing to kind of give it a little bit, but we don't get through many um, because yeah. of that. It's just like- So I'm, I'm guilty of I must finish shit. Yeah. And like, I don't, I, I, we're recording. I don't want to say this out loud. But I got <laughs> sucked into fucking Amy was watching Vampire Diaries. 
<laughs> I got sucked into it, dude. It's the worst fucking show ever. And I watched every episode of every season. So I just need to know what happens. And it could have, the whole show could have been like fucking 10 episodes. Yeah. And it was 10 seasons for like one good episode a season. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but I'm, that's me. It's like once I'm in, I have to see it yeah, out. Okay. I'm bad. I, I can walk away from anything at any time. Like I watched maybe five seasons of Sons of Anarchy and I just walked away from it. Yeah. Yeah. And same with <laughs> the like only thing I've done that with is Walking Dead because it got so shit. Yeah. Okay. I even did it with Breaking Bad as well. Like I, I walked away from it two seasons from finishing. And then now I'm just like, ah, I know it's really good. Cool. Like <laughs> I haven't seen the end of that either because it got shit in that middle part too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm really bad like that. Even with video games, I can get like halfway through like a really epic game. And then I'm just like, ah, something new come out. <laughs> <My bread. laughs> all right we better talk about some actual content yeah of course so for andrew anyone who didn't enjoy that next time you listen to an episode check the timestamps and we timestamp when we actually we always timestamp banter jason and i need to have these conversations to remain sane definitely <laughs> be so um, to just be like okay so starting now we're going to talk about you know, like, yeah, that was like real formal. I don't know. It doesn't feel right. We tried it yeah. and it just feels, yeah, yeah, it does not, it does not compete. It's not, a, it's not a fluent conversation. Yeah. Uh, it's good, good lessons for personal trainers on how to establish rapport before going into in depth discussions, anyway. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> Bring up Netflix seasons. <laughs> That's your lesson. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're doing a QA episode, which we haven't done in fucking ages, mm. um, which I just thought of of Monday. Let's do one because it's been a while. Always we had some good ones come through. So the first one I got, um, the direct question was like, do you need to, how long should you wait basically to become an online coach? Like when's the time to make that switch? Which I think we can take in a heap of different directions, including just answering that specific question. Like the old guard was like fucking, what was it? Eat shit for five years or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, like you have to cut your teeth in a face-to-face environment before you go online. Look, I still think there's validity to that. If you were to, to be pursuing more athletic population online. So if you want to train people to get really lean, really strong, like that athletic population, then I think it's more important to have had time. If you're going to train gen pop, it's going to come down to, we talk about, we talked about this before, but the things that make a good online coach are systems and communication. Yeah. And technical proficiency tags onto the back of that. There's a lot of very technically proficient online coaches that don't have any clients. So you've got to have those first two as well. Communication is obviously limited and much more challenging in an online environment. So having that as a skill set, I think part of if you're training gen pop part of why you would want to do face-to-face first is because you can navigate problems and discussions and stuff much more effectively yeah and you need to do it much more efficiently in an online environment yeah agreed yeah i think if you wanted to become a like a really good online coach you would want to be doing some face-to-face at the same time at a bare minimum um, or have like worked with people previously. Like th- it's hard to give a time frame, especially right now. It's like it's the 21st century. We're in 2021. Like people, the on like the internet exists in so many different industries now. If you're not getting getting in on it and innovating, like you're going to be left behind. So it's just going to be really tough uh, if you go from like your certification into the online space to kind of fill those gaps. Like we always try and think about our our your face-to-face service or our face-to-face service like the gold standard you know because you get everything you know it's like a hybrid service because you're getting everything that an online client does but you're still getting face-to-face interaction so then our online service really tries to plug the gaps that get left uh from a from that face-to-face coach and that's where ben was talking about the systems and, and i agree with that like that's really important um, but then, yeah, it's like the coaching process, like that's going to be a really hard thing to kind of how, you know, do at the start. It's going to be a very frustrating experience. Probably it's gonna be a lot of, uh, learning, uh, curves from that get go of like problems and troubleshooting them and finding solutions and making sure the clients are clear with like what's expected of them. And, and even this, you know, what's, ex- what they've planned to do for the next week or, or whatever. So 
it's not to say you can't do it. Um, you can, and we would encourage you guys to you know start sooner than later. But you've just got to make sure that you've got everything ready beforehand. You know, you've got all your all your systems, resources, services kind of on lock and. I think it's going to be a, a lot more challenging even just to bring people in as well. Like when you're a new coach and you're certified, like you have no audience, you don't really have a following. Like it's going to be really hard to, you know, connect with people and, you know, expose yourself to people who want your service. So there's other challenges outside of maybe the technical skills just to train someone to. Yeah. It's authority based, isn't it? That online space authority and niche base you have to be able to present that you know what you're talking about to for the specific individual that you're targeting whereas being new in the gyms like you train the people that are in the gym they tend to not know that you knew really it's just like you work yeah. at the gym so you're fine yeah um yeah i think there's two there's two ways you need to answer this question currently as well like i think every single face-to-face -face trainer right now should be presenting a hybrid model. Mm. For whether like COVID or not, you, you should have that set up. Like that's probably the standard now. If you want to survive long-term, I think, um, I think it was, I was watching a video of Phil Learning today, like the death of face-to-face -face PT. It's like it's face-to-face -face personal training will never and isn't dead. Yeah. Shit face-to-face -face personal training doesn't sell anymore. That's the difference. Yeah. So you need to have, if you go look at what a good online coach does, you should have all of that built into your face-to-face -face service anyway. Then if you look at the current environment in and out of lockdowns, gym closures, et cetera, it's just another reason. It's not the reason. It's an added reason that it's really important to have that model because you've got something that you can flip over to when you can't get to the face-to-face -face session. Yeah. Um, so that, that would be the first thing is like, and that's a great way to cut your teeth in the online environment too, is you, cause you're doing it, but you've got the fallback of like, uh, let's talk about this next session. Let's look at that movement next session. You can kind of fall back onto that face-to-face -face support when, if, and when you need to, and maybe you're advertising online, maybe you're not, but it's not the sole purpose of your business yet. The next step from there is like inside that question is, well, when should you become an online coach? Like, when do you make that transition? And I think that's a different question altogether. It's like, when do you decide I'm going to go into online coaching and that's what I'm going to do full time? Yeah. Um, I, like you obviously do a little bit of face-to-face. -face. What was your trigger to go like online is the, the primary part of my business now? It was mainly looking at the goals of the, my career um, that I couldn't maintain the degree of face-to-face -face work um, whilst you know fulfilling the obligations of the businesses that we run, uh, and then just looking into the future, just you know what is life going to be like in five years' time? It's like it, doing face-to-face -face training wasn't wasn't there. Like it, I couldn't, I could not see myself doing that. So it took a little bit of a, of a transition, took a little bit of time. Um, obviously there was some growth uh, and ownership that had to happen as well. Cause it was, it was different. So we're always a little bit fearful and resistant of what we don't know. Um, but then, yeah, like a little bit of a push obviously with like the pandemic and stuff. And um, that was just the last push. Cause I was already making the transition it was just a bit slower. Um, and then, yeah, like I do a little bit now just for fun. Um, and obviously my role within the business uh, is st I still believe it's important to just like have a little bit of touch still just gonna, you know, um, be on the front line a tiny bit to mentor other people and not lose sight of what it's like to be in the front line. But then, yeah, like um, I think that you've got to look at what life's, what your career looks like in terms of project or trajectory and where you want things to be. Like a, a lot of trainers just look at the here and now and it's like, you know, dollar per hour, you know, um, time to do other stuff and you know it might not be the best motivator to look at things like that because it's like well what's spurring you on to be better to do something else to grow and expand and you know not look back in one two three five years and be doing the same shit no different to like the face-to-face -face trainers like you 
you're doing face-to-face set. Like I, I looked, I, I looked at the idea of like being 40, 45, 50 and being in the gym doing face-to-face. I'm like, I don't want to fucking live life like that. Like personally, I just don't like, that's not a, that's not something that sits in alignment with what I, what I'm working towards. So I think that you've got to look at the bigger picture um, and which is why we're so big on the goal setting stuff as well. It was like really gives you a, an idea of like what you can work towards and how to mold it um, and how to re, re, reverse engineer that process too. We'd obviously been working on a model for STC fit to go online. My, and I know who I was training and where I was when it happened. And I just sort of looked at my client. And I was like, your outcomes would be almost exactly the same, whether I, we were here or not. And I, that was, for me, that was like, okay, it's time to go free up this 20 hours a week that, I've, that I'm spending in the gym somewhere else. And that was, that was the stepping point for me. Because like I said, I was still doing check-ins for everyone. I was still reviewing their other, like there was no extra time created for check-ins for those clients. It was just like, righto, all you guys don't do face-to-face sessions anymore. Yeah. Um, and then started building a bigger team after that. So... Yeah, that was it for me. So if you are in sort of that hybrid zone right now, when you can stop falling back onto your face-to-face as a, we'll have this chat here, that would be when I would say pull the trigger. But I would definitely have a hybrid model in place well before that. Yeah, yeah. And I guess the last thing which reminded me of, uh, of what you just said then is um, I, I started to realize that I could attract a certain person that I was really fulfilled working with. Um, and there's lots more of them in the country than there is located within 25 minutes of the gym that I was working at. So I think like once you kind of have an idea of like, yeah, what your business stands for, what your message is, um, the people that you work with, like you get a bit more of an idea of what, what that ideal client's like. Um, you can really start to, I guess, like connect and attract those people that aren't uh, directly located within you know, a, an acceptable proximity of your gym that they're going to, tra- to travel to as well. Um, so that was a big motivator for me too. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think I'd move gyms. So like, cause we've talked about this before, like your retention is like three years or something. So it's like, because I'd moved gyms and turned over clients, I sort of did that in the gym. Like I had people tra- traveling from 20, 30, 40 Ks away to come in and do PT once a week. So it was sort of that had happened. And I think that again, made the transition easier. It was like, well, these are the people based on what I'm posting on social media, the content I'm making and who I'm working with, the results I'm getting that want to work with me. And I can, I'm attracting them online already to come into the gym. Let's just follow that. Yeah. And like you said, there was, I only had X amount in the gym. The rest were actually members of other gyms that were coming in to train. Yeah, just for yeah. the PT side of it and the coaching side of it. Yeah, and it's not an easy transition either. Like a lot of people are going to sit there and go, oh, you know, um, it's so, uh, it, it, it seems so glamorous and um, there's a lot of incentives to being an online coach, uh, but you can be running a really successful face-to-face business. Um, and that's what, what, what I was doing. And I just looked at it with the idea for a very long time of like, what's the point in trying something else when something's good? It's like, yeah, the grass isn't always greener on the other side kind of thing. I, I, like, I was running a, a really, really successful personal training business. Like did not have to lead generate, had people coming up to me. I was, you know, sending your know, clients to our coaches, you know, cause I couldn't fit them in and making a really, really, really good wage. Um, you know, more than I make now, way more than I make now. Um, and then, but it got to that point when, I looked, I looked ahead, like I just spoke about, and then I had to make that change. So it's not always like driven by, you know, money and income. And sometimes it was just like, I was exhausted all the time too. And I just like buy my feelings. Um, and like unpacking that was really important too. And it's like, it's important to kind of sit and chill as well. So yeah, it's like some people are going to sit here and like think that it's a, a really easy rite of passage. And sometimes it's not, especially when things are going really good, but even though things are going really good, if they don't sit in alignment with where you want to go, you still have to make that transition. And that's going to be way harder than, you know, if things are kind of going okay, um, but you want to make this shift or you're just not passionate about it. Cause I was still really passionate about face-to-face coaching. I still am now. It's just, yeah. it just doesn't fit 
you know it's just like you know me and face-to-face coaching it's like it's not you it's not me you know <laughs> kind of thing um yeah because i still would really like in a perfect world i would probably do like maybe two mornings a week of like three hours do like two clients or something like that you know this gym ever happens <laughs> um but yeah it's not it's not easy that's why i really want to send that message especially if you're going well so we acknowledge that if you're caught up in your business um and you are running a lot of pt sessions making that transition can be challenging yeah i think it's important also to talk about your transition happened at a really inconvenient time um mine happened before the word COVID was ever muttered by anyone just the adjustment from not being in the gyms a lot yeah like i i'm a way probably in what do they call it an extroverted introvert it's like i like being around people and doing stuff but i also need that quiet time to myself to sort of recharge you're probably more of a slightly more traditional extrovert than me stepping out of the gym and being in your house all the time it's it, it's a big shock to the system as well like people think like oh you do fuck all, all day like you must have it really good it's like <laughs> no a no i don't and b i'm with myself all day yeah like amy used to come home from work and be just like hey hey gone how's work what did you do today like just fucking someone talk to me yeah. <laughs> um, and just like little stuff like learning. Okay. I actually have to walk to the coffee shop every morning or I'm going to go fucking crazy mm. and see some people and go outside and, and whatever. So there is, it's not people think like online coach, you just like get up in the morning, do five check-ins and take your shirt off and lay outside for the rest of the day. It's, it's, not, it's not really how it plays out. Yeah. It's a big adjustment. I think I've only just started to adjust. Yeah. Yeah. Just over a year. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely takes, takes some time to be comfortable in that environment. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I guess summing that up. Yeah. Operate as a hybrid face-to-face and online coach straight away because it's the best service you can offer. And it also protects you from an, an event where you can't, be with your clients and we used to, we were talking about this five years ago that could be a holiday could be someone sick could be your sick the client sick whatever um it's not just to protect you from a lockdown yeah um, but obviously in today's environment it's even more important because you could have your door shut in 24 hours notice so start that then move yourself online um the the person who asked these questions, a standout PT student who she'd been doing coaching in ADF. So she had a lot of face-to-face experience just technically like, and in an environment where it was like, do this and not many people, like, you couldn't argue back. <laughs> it's like, you're in defense force, you do what you're fucking told. Yeah. <laughs> um, but still obviously being able to communicate and troubleshoot and all that sort of stuff within that environment. And then she moved into online coaching. I, I can't remember the exact time. I feel like it was maybe four months. She was fully booked with a waiting list. Now she's got a touch-free product because like she can't fit everyone in. Yeah, it's insane. So yeah, like it, it, that face-to-face was probably there, but running in a, a communication for coaching wasn't, but she adapted to it really, really well. I think a lot of that's personality and stuff too. So it's really hard for us to say, well, you should do it for at least five years and then move over. And if anyone's saying that, they're not really thinking hard enough about it. Yeah, agreed. And this came up in, because we talked about coaching this week in standout PT and, and client communication and stuff. A really interesting question, like at what point does our, the personal trainer slash coach, the scope of practice within mental health, all of that kind of stuff. Where does that start and stop? Um, I don't know if we'll be able to give a straight answer. We can probably give our practices and what we, we do. We like press the pre-recorded disclaimer now or? Yeah. <laughs> soundbite, soundbite. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. So the question reads, like as mentioned yesterday in class, had some clients with um, get past sorry, in the past get disgruntled when I suggested that they maybe go somewhere else for mental health care rather than leveraging the personal training environment. Um, 
as you said, like could be just that individual, but what's like a protocol maybe to follow for that? Yeah. So have you got a conscious one in place or are you just reactive with this stuff? A little bit more reactive. Um, Cause I trained with Kylie. She kind of, we had, we were always having like conversation, interesting conversations um, about things like this. So it was just like mm. red flags of PR. You need to have a network of people that you might kind of need to lean on. Um, and it's just about having that conversation with that client saying, Hey, you know, like this isn't really a conversation that I can, navigate you out of um there's other people that are, are much better than this than me and i don't really want to say something that's incorrect and makes the situation worse so <clears throat> just if you want to have that conversation with somebody else there are a few people that i can kind of you know point you in the right direction um but outside of that it's like this isn't really something that i can help you with and like i don't know if i would want to unpack it any further than that like just as a personal choice of like just dancing within the like I, I like to dance in my scope like especially the more experienced i've i've become um and the more i've niched down like almost to the point where like if someone says like hey i want to you know prep for a meet or something i'm like i can do it but i don't i'm not the best at it like kind of yeah. thing you know like i still do it and it's like in a small capacity it's like if i got more of those people it's like this isn't my scope this isn't really my scope like it's a scope as a trainer but my direct skill set lies in like, you know, strength, uh, like normal strength, not specific, movement specific strength, body composition stuff, fat loss, muscle gains. Like that's really where I've tried to hone my skill set and I'm the most confident in. So I don't know if I'd want to be talking about things that I'm not fully confident in and giving people information that I'm not a hundred percent confident that, you know, they can go out and use productively. So I don't know, like it's a really hard thing to dance on. Like it is. And, you know, we got some information that this person just like got a bit offended with, you know, kind of that suggestion and stuff. And I guess like transparency is very important, you know, and that comes with confidence. Um, and it also comes with, you know, learning to lead. And I've been a very transparent trainer for a very long time. So I'm yeah. more than happy to tell someone they're wasting their time and their money more than happy to tell someone that I'm hired for a job and the job is their goals that they told me at the start or whatever they've done in their goal setting. Um, and I'm very transparent and we are too with the roles and responsibilities and the, our main scope of practice. It's like, we spoke about it in the workshop, like in the coaching workshop. It's like, there's really four key areas that we work with as coaches. It's like, it's training, it's nutrition, it's habit formation and support that's related to those three other things. So if we start to dance outside of that scope and we don't have the education to do that. And even then it's like, does a weekend workshop really mean that you can unpack someone's feelings? Like just have a really com good conversation with yourself before you start to open that can um, because there's other people that can be better at it. You know, and I always think about that. It's like, you want to run a marathon? There's better people than me that can do that for you. So you should go and see that person. Um, and yeah, I think if we take all of those things together, we can mitigate those situations. And yeah, sometimes people just may not also be receptive to where they're at as well. And they think that their personal trainer might be able to save them, you know, cause remember yeah. there's that fear of like what we're going to get told back to, you know, which is one of those reasons why we stop asking questions and we become less curious as we get older. It's like, well, we don't become less curious. It's just that we stop asking questions because we're fearful of what someone's going to say to us. Sometimes there might be a little bit of that going on too. Yeah. I think the easiest way for me to explain it is it's, we have, we obviously work with the guys at Fox physio and then obviously, and deal with people that lift heavy weights that have niggles and sometimes also get injured. So there to be a personal trainer and not be aware that what causes maybe niggles and injuries and those kind of things and not be aware of the common ones and how it might affect your programming and all of that sort of stuff. I think that's ignorant as a PT to just like write a program, not ever thinking about anything that an allied health professional might consider. Like, I think it's important to know, but you're not that you're not a physio. You're not, hey, come here and like my physio did this on me, so I'm going to do it on you and fucking start doing manipulations and shit. Like that's not 
what you're going to do as a coach, as a trainer. I think the same thing applies on the mental side of things. You should be aware that people have poor relationships with food, poor relationships with training, their, their body, like whatever else is common inside our industry. You need to be aware of what they are and you need to probably set things up with consideration to that. Like making sure when you see a red flag, like, hey, I was fucking two grams off my protein today. What do I do? Like, that's a red flag. Like, no, no, no. If you're in 5%, we're all good. Continue. If they have a binge on the weekend, sweet. What are we doing next? Like that ongoing conversation is sort of normal. When it gets to the point where we would consider going to a physio, it's the same as referring out to someone who does this for a fucking job. (laughs) And it's not, well, I saw mindset coach, psychologist, dietitian, who's got psych qualifications, whatever. It's not, well, they told me this. So now I'll give that to you. It's like, no, no, no. That's not what happens. It's you go see the person to find out what you need. I think if you take that position with it, it makes it a lot easier. And it's exactly the same conversation. Like, oh, my shoulder hurts when I bench. Okay, try this intervention. Try these warm-ups. Did that help? No, out you go. Go see someone and let's go. I'm happy to work with them. Send them an email. Let me know where, how we can work together. Happy to open to adjusting programming, blah, 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 blah. Someone comes to you and says, um, I've been emotionally binge eating for the last four weeks. Like that's not inside personal trainer scope. That's not that. Okay. Let's go figure that out. Ideally you have someone that you can recommend that understands the fitness space and stuff. It's like, okay, maybe we should set you up with this person because this is just outside my scope. And I want you to get the best possible help. I'm happy to send what we're doing at the moment and change the way that we're approaching things based on the recommendations of an expert. And that just creates it, it. I think the biggest thing is for personal trainers, they think they have to do everything. And if they don't, the, the client will think they don't know enough or they're not good enough or whatever. And they'll leave. Yeah. When in reality, it's like, if you've been a client who's been referred out to someone and got an outcome, you thank the trainer. So it's the same, it's the same output. It's like you become part of the ecosystem that's helping to get that outcome for that person. It's not your job to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so next one, spinning off almost the same, a similar topic, but not quite. Um, how to progress and regress nutrition plans for clients. So like what's the most basic form of nutritional intervention uh, right through to, I guess, what's the most advanced depending on the the level of the client and the commitment and all of that. It's an interesting question. So absolute baseline as a personal trainer yeah, <laughs> would just be, fine. yeah, refer to Australian guidelines because that's all you're qualified to do anyway. Yeah. Really? Um, or refer out to, look, at the end of the day, it's like, if most people stopped eating shit, they'd probably be in better shape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stopped eating shit, so, ate more protein and was more active. So, yeah, so baseline would just be habits, like try and eat some, try and eat more protein, try and eat more vegetables, et cetera, et cetera. Like that would be baseline, just encourage better behavior. Yeah. Next step from there would be, if you're only qualified as a personal trainer, would be to refer out to a model provided by someone who's qualified to give that model. So um, we use precision nutrition's hand plan quite a lot. The Australian guidelines is obviously somewhere you can go as well, whether it's appropriate for a very active individuals up for discussion, but that's probably the, the moderate step. Do you agree with that? Yeah. And then the most advanced that you could do as a personal trainer would be like a referral to information like the ISSN that's going to start to talk about macros and all that sort of stuff, but you cannot prescribe. Yeah. Yeah. Hard question if we don't know whether the person's qualified to give advice or not. Um, So yeah, like coaching, I think like coaching habits around nutrition, making people aware of nourishment. Um, I think we covered this yesterday. So it's like eating habits, knowledge on nourishment, knowledge on portion control, 
uh, understanding about hydration status, um, finding a way to create some enjoyment in there and then keeping this person adherent. So we don't really need to go into the nitty gritties and a lot of that stuff for his first exposure for someone. So it's like, hey, how many meals do you have in a day? Okay, so maybe we should try and increase the frequency of that if you're only eating one meal a day um, and snacking in between. So creating a, an eating frequency that they've told you they can do um, and then giving them knowledge on nourishment. It's like, hey, just letting you know, this is why we eat. We need protein for this. We need carbs for this. This is These are some places where we can get a lot of those foods. Um, looking at, I guess, like that, uh, like 70% kind of whole foods model, um, but not ever bastardizing things like groceries and packet goods and those kind of things. Like, it's just like, this is where we would like to get, you know, X amount from, and there's good information that you can get from places like Precision Nutrition that can coach that process and provide that model for somebody. Um, and then just teaching them about portion control. So it's like, like Ben said, it's like, if you eliminate a lot of stuff from that person's diet or they eliminated a lot of like the hyper palatable foods that are usually energy dense and you replace those things with fibrous nutrient dense foods. It's like, it's almost a, a swap for swap in terms of food volume and eating behavior, but it's a, a drastic reduction in energy intake. So you're going to get a lot of progress in that general phase anyway. I don't really need to get specific for a lot of people unless they're like moving into like intermediate advanced status with their training and their goals. Um, and then, yeah, like I think the next step from there is getting is micromanagement. So it's like once we get knowledge and once we start building good foundational habits on nutrition, um, whilst keeping some enjoyment in there, micromanagement takes them from general to specific. Micromanagement takes everything, training, nutrition, absolutely everything from general to specific. Just think about how you'd micromanage someone's warm up. It's like it gets specific when the goal gets very specific, like a body uh, powerlifting peak or something like that. Specific bodybuilding training gets like, oh, this will build this area of your lat. And general bodybuilding is like, this works, this whole area, all these areas of your, of your body. So nutrition is the same. And that's when you would need either uh, to outsource that to someone who's, who you believe aligns with your values and information on nutrition and the, and the goals that you deliver for your clients or you get yourself certified to help micromanage that for your clients too, which would be prescribing things like macros and fiber and giving people ideas on like how to fuel their workouts in a peri-workout kind of format. Um, but that again, depends on the clients you work with as well. Um, so if you work with the general population, in our experience, you, haven't, you don't really have to go there straight away and it's a natural process which you might get someone to track one, one day a week out of five and then they can track two days a week and even the reverse, if they're tracking every day, you can have free meals and stuff like that. It's a really hard question to answer. Um, but always build everything off foundations of habits um, and knowledge on why we need to eat. It's for enjoyment. It's also for nourishment. I think that's an important thing to, to understand. Yeah, I, I guess from personal experience, the way I approached nutrition before I got qualified was referring out to something else. Yeah. It's like finding a, a somebody else that had a really good system that would work for the clientele that I was working with. And then just like, this is a suggestion if you want to follow it hmm. and build that up from there. Nutrition's not yeah. that complicated. We talk about this all the time. Like, I understand the desire to want to know the ins and outs of nutrition. Like, and I know there's people that know more than nutri about nutrition than me. And, you know, if they're listening to this, they're going to get a, get offended and stuff. But what I'm talking about is for what we're providing as personal trains, you know, again, dancing with inside the scope. So it's like, realistically, like you said before, cleaning up the food they eat on a daily basis, letting them know that they can still enjoy some of those foods, but less often, uh, and then just increasing their protein intake because they're more active and because most of them are going to be exposed to resistance training is going to, and, and, and just moving more in general is going to be the magic fix for most people. Like we just want to get caught up in the micromanagement of the information because it's cool. And the information, like the results we can get if someone's committed to that degree of micromanagement is really cool. It's really extraordinary. 
But for most of the clients, if you're working on that scale, like if you're talking about that scale of like from beginner to advanced, it's like, you just need to get the lower hanging fruit, right? Like, and even for the advanced clients, like if you get the lower hanging fruit, right? Most of the time, it's just cool. They eat the same amount of food all the time and you have control of making those micro managements or micro adjustments. But we're working off the same stuff. It's just the information, there's more information. Um, but you need that more information with those more advanced clients just to move the results, like will continue to move the results because that result or the goal that they want is a little bit more extraordinary. Does it make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So try not to, especially if you, these, these coaches that are, are like newer to the industry want to expand their service. It's like really kind of hone in on the lower hanging fruit. Like if you're body composition focused, if you're weight loss focused, or if you're performance focused or all of those things, it's like, just think about what as a bare minimum, if you were to tell your mom how she would need to get those outcomes, it's like, try to get that information delivered to your clients. Most of the time, nine times out of 10, you're going to get exceptional results if that person portion controls and be consistent. That's pretty neat, I think. So there's a bunch of other questions that are all kind of technical related, but also tie into resources. So maybe we'll just go into that. Um, so one of them is like, what, what client portal system do we use? So let's maybe just unpack it as how to create really good client resources and from low lowest level through to highest level when you've got a lot of it and you're willing to pay some money for it. So my first client resource document that I made was probably a PDF that had some words and then YouTube links. Um, one of the questions we got asked was like, can you post on YouTube without it being public? Yes, you can. So it was just a, a private YouTube uh, playlist that you open the PDF, you click the link, it showed you how to use your program. It showed you, uh, had the information on nutrition, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that would be probably the first place I would start if you're starting out and you don't have tons of resources just yet. So in that document, you want to make sure you have an agreement in terms of code of conduct, what you expect from them, what they expect from you, how your service works. So what they can expect on a weekly basis, if they have to check in all of those things all the organizational shit to make sure that they know exactly what to do. Then you want to take that know exactly what to do step across the whole week. If you want them tracking something, how do they do it? If you've got documents, how do they fill them out? If you've got a program, how do they read them? How do they execute them? If you've got all that in place, that's usually a decent introduction. From there, the next step was we went to like a Google Drive folder that had basically just numbered. So it was like start here, which was essentially that PDF, but as numbered videos inside of Google Drive that was shared as a resource folder to all clients. From the start here stuff, we went to um, an exercise library. I had a squat bench deadlift tutorial, um, a nutrition tutorial in there, warm up videos, and then like a very archaic exercise library <laughs> that was like just basically me training so that was the next step uh, and then eventually obviously once we moved into education we'd already invented the uh, invested in like a client portal for that so it made sense to put out all our client resources in there as well so we use teachable um which i think you unpacked jason that in one of our calls that it's for most personal trainers, the free version would be fine. So it's not going to actually cost you any money. Um, feedback, you set ours up. I've never actually seen the setup process, but yeah. a little bit fiddly maybe to get it going. But as a user from the back end, creating the content stuff's fairly straightforward. It's fairly user-friendly. Yeah, just like anything, if, you, if you're committed to investigating, like you can find everything on the internet. Like, YouTube mm -hmm. is the most valuable resource in the world for anything. You can patch a wall up. You can fucking you know, make a go-kart or make a billy cart. You can fucking do anything. Like if you, it's all on there, man. You can bake a cake. Yeah. You could, you could probably make a spaceship on there. I don't know. But it's <laughs> like, if you're committed to like learning, you know, you're one of those people that's like, 
it goes beyond the face value of like, I don't know how to do this and I've looked at it and it's too hard. It's like investigate. Like I didn't get good at spreadsheets all of a sudden. It's like I watched fucking heaps of videos and I still have to watch them to relearn how to do all the stuff. Yeah. Um, so if you're committed to kind of creating something that's worth it, you know, creating a resource that's worth it, it's going to take a little bit of extra investigation and, you know, making mistakes and stuff. But the benefits outweigh the costs, which is like the learning and the time because the once you get it done, it's like it gives you so much time and freedom back the service is so good um the clients enjoy it you don't have to have the same conversations all the time so yeah like i think it's a worthy venture to like to to set up something like that and just kind of go through that fiddly process of setting up like in teachable for example the school like once you set the school up like you're just adding courses it's really really easy yeah yeah uh is there any others that you've sort of looked around at that are worth the time i I know of like, uh, is it talent LMS um, as well? Like I've used it as a client. It was pretty good. Um, I know that the fees on that one are a little bit greater than like what we're using. Um, is it, I, I don't know if Kajabi do one. Um, I think someone might've said that in the- It's just um, expensive. It's the yeah, again, back, it's yeah. just like, you've just got to assess the- um the overheads of it like most of you guys will get away with a really well organized kind of you know set of youtube videos that are unlisted um or like you know the google drive that ben spoke about at the start um and then yeah moving into like a portal just to assess like whether it's worth the fee like some of the guys do have a teachable version they pay the upgraded one that has the the tests and the quizzes and all those kind of things if you see value on that and you can bring those costs, um, those overheads, um, you, if you can meet those overheads or bring them into the service fee that you provide, so be it. Like just assess whether it's worth it um, for you guys, but try your best to kind of have a conducive space that makes things really easy to absorb information. It's just really easy to kind of, for the client to navigate through too. I think that's what's more important is like how much friction is there to obtaining this information the less friction that we can kind of give these people, um, the better the delivery of that information is going to be and the better your service is going to be too. Yeah. So the other one is like hosting a podcast. We use Libsyn, which basically does everything for you. You just have to put in your pictures and it'll send it to all of the apps pretty much. So Spotify, Apple, Google, all of the main ones um, for a hosting fee, obviously. The cost is dependent on how many episodes you do. It's based on storage. So how often, how big the files are and how often you do them will determine how much that costs. Um, we've talked about like podcasts in the past, whether or not it's worthwhile. I think it's in our content creation episode if you want to go back and listen to that. Uh, but the cliff notes of that is it's probably going to take you four hours a week or four hours an episode to do. Uh, so if you don't have a full book and you're not looking to bring in other coaches or something like that, I would recommend trying to just get on other people's rather than trying to build one yourself. Um, requires a fair bit of technical know-how in the editing side of things, or if it doesn't, it's expensive to pay someone to do that just because it's a timely process. So they've got to listen to the whole thing and edit it. So it takes time. Um, so yeah, if that's a pathway you want to take, awesome just as I think most personal trainers probably would get more value trying to find other podcasts that people are already running and becoming guests on them. Yeah. And just like know why you want the podcast to like, it's a really important thing to understand. Uh, like just getting a podcast doesn't really do much for your business, especially if you don't really know what to talk about. The episodes are always different. Like we made mistakes and wasted time. Um, it was only really when we got very clear about like what our ecosystem looked like, we actually built it knew the clients we were working with, you know, knew how to deliver the message, made the episodes very clear, concise for a specific audience that we actually started to, you know, work within the business and the brand. So just be mindful that you know how to, like where the podcast sits for those kind of things. Like you're probably better off, you know, making content and delivering things on other mediums that create less time. Um, where you can be more specific and probably get a better return, especially like Ben said, when you don't have, a full book and stuff like the podcast isn't going to make you a full book. It's a great opportunity to sit and, you know, kind of chew the fat and kind of work, work some concepts out. It's certainly a great opportunity for that, but 
is it that valuable to do that for four hours a week um, on a weekly basis uh, whilst you kind of don't have a full book of clients? I don't really think so. Yeah. Um, so some other sort of, I guess, resource-based questions um, in terms of like doing contracts and client agreements and stuff like that. Some things to go check out would be Google Forms. Um, I think in this day and age, nothing really should be on paper anymore. Um, like even, I think maybe if I was going to do a consult face-to-face, -face, I would have a pen and paper to take notes. I think that would feel better than a laptop just in terms of engagement with the person. They can see what you're writing and stuff. I think that would still be a positive. But I would have done a questionnaire using Google Forms or JotForm prior to that. So any form-based stuff that you need, they're probably the two to check out. Um, Google Forms is probably actually more user-friendly than JotForm, but it wasn't a thing when we started with JotForm, so we still use it. Um, it's actually a bit clunky and stuff, and we've had issues with it on mobile and stuff. So I would lean towards Google Form if we were to set it up again. Um, but just have a think through your business where you're still using paper and where you can get rid of it. Um, so the question we specifically got asked was like, how do you go about contracting for online clients for someone who is moving online? And the answer was like, you can put all your ESSA form questions, all your pre-exercise questionnaire questions and your consult inside a Google form and have that done before you sit down even for the consultation. It gives the person a chance to think about it more before they get to you for the consult. Uh, and it's super valuable in that respect. Um, so then the next step is obviously your direct debit stuff. Most of those are online these days. So if you've got an iPad or a laptop or whatever, if you're doing face-to-face, -face, you're signing that up on the spot or you're doing it online via a link as well. Um, programming, the client needs to have access to the program. If like, it shouldn't be printed out on paper. I don't think it should be more intuitive than that at this point. There's enough apps we use Google Sheets simply because it's live and it's easier, um, which does Jason's head in because it doesn't have the functionality of Excel, but there's, there is things that we wish that we had using it that we don't um, because we use Google Sheets, but it, it's really only from a coach's standpoint. The, and we've spoken about this all the time. We always come from the client first mindset. It's like, does it negatively affect the client? Google Sheets is more client friendly. And we used to have heaps of stuff in Google. So it's a, an easier resource for them. I can't even think about what I use paper for now. Yeah, nothing. It's been so, <laughs> yeah, it's been so long. Yeah. I hope it's nothing anyway. Yeah, the one we get all the time is what do we use for recording in our teachable stuff when we record content. So the way we, we produce our content, typically we have the written form and then we'll go on and explain the written content in a video format, just to touch base with all the different learning types. Uh, and we also do the same thing for our check-ins where we open all the data, we have ourselves as a floating head and present that. And then any like seminars and stuff, um, we usually use Zoom, but you can have a saved seminar using this as well. The software is called Loom. You, the free version will get you by for 99% of people. I think you've just got to clean out your storage, hey, on the free one. Yeah, the free one, you can't save the videos forever. Yeah. Yeah. You so can only maybe do videos for a certain amount of time, I think. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. I've got the paid version. So, yeah, it's not very expensive for one person. Um, we had it and it was barking <laughs> expensive for a team. Stupid. That was a very big oversight by myself. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, if you have it just individually, it's, it's much better. We definitely get asked that a lot. Um, so yeah, really, really useful software. Is there any other good screen recorders? Uh, I really tried to have a look around. Loom's the best because it's live. Like it's mm. just screen and, you know, hyperlink pops up and it goes like a lot of them are like, you've got to capture the screen. And it's creating an, an, uh, like an MP4 you know, or I don't even know what the file's called, like a video file. And then you've got to upload it. So it's like, that's time consuming. Yeah. So unless anybody knows about, one that exists where all is always looking to you know get new resources for ourselves or the guys in the 
and stand out PT and stuff. So yeah, just pop it in the comments if you if you're aware of something. A hidden gem. Yeah. You're sleeping on. Don't want anyone else to know. <laughs> All right. So last one for the episode. I'm gonna let Jason take it because he's well versed and because we get it asked every standout PT intake at least twice and in the Facebook groups and Q and A's. <laughs> I want to increase my prices. How do I do it? <laughs> increase them. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, it's a, an interesting thing to unpack. Like you guys should be charging more, especially as your service gets better, as your experience gets better, as your results get better, you, you know, everything gets better. Um, the fee that you current you currently started at definitely needs to go up. I think that there needs to be a period of time that you know the your current clients need to know um, when the fees are going up. So you don't necessarily have to like make excuses and say like, oh, you know, all this stuff's happening and I need to charge more. Just like you know, just letting everybody know as of this date, the coaching fees are going up. You know, obviously they can see that you're making changes and you're you know learning new things and there's added things to the service and stuff like we've talked about all these resources and whatnot. Like if all these elements are being you know added to your business, then yeah, like they can see that the fee is warranted. Um, and then obviously if you're becoming busier and all of those kind of things, all that stuff suggests that that fee uh, should go up. So give them a period of time to, you know, know that it's going to go up. Obviously they're experiencing the service right now. So when it ticks over to that time, they should be very happy with continuing on to work with you. You've built a really good relationship with them they expected that those fees would go up at some point. It's kind of a natural progression, I feel like, for most businesses um, where fees do go up. Um, so communication is everything. So just make sure you're very clear with that. It can be a formal letter, email, something like that. You don't have to have a conversation with someone like call all your clients up or whatever. Um, so just make sure you have a medium of communication for that. Um, for other people, they might have uh, like their business might be turning clients over. They might be a bit newer and stuff. They kind of have like a foundational membership Kind of thing and then as they kind of meet a certain quota you might your first 10 clients might be you know x amount and then you might increase it by 10 15 percent and then once you get to you know full fee um, excuse me well math just lets the neighborhood know that there's someone three blocks away podcast time limit maverick <laughs> um but yeah you might have like phased uh kind of when you hit certain quotas within your business um you might increase your prices then uh as well so i think it all times communication is important and yeah, let the clients know that when the price is going up and just have the confidence to deliver it, like know what your value is, um, know that and, and be mindful of the price that you're charging and make sure you're confident that you can deliver and you think that it's worth it. You know, like at the end of the day, like if you don't have the confidence that your service is worth X amount, the client's not going to pay for it either. You know, like I can sit down with someone and say, you know, it's just this much per week, you know, and actually like sit there and go, it is just this much per week because we cover all of these things and we can get you these results and, you know, the service is great. So, you know, remember it's not a like charging more isn't a rite of passage. Like, oh, I've done 12 months of coaching. I should charge more. It's like, not really like your service, your skill set, all of those kind of things do help, you know, allow you to kind of charge a little bit more too. But yeah, it's really easy. It's like, just have the confidence to, to do it. Yeah. Yeah. From a, a practical application standpoint, usually we recommend you do four weeks notice. Um, you can even offer them like, we're going to apply. I'm applying the changes, the upgrades to my coaching. And then the prices are going to go up in four weeks. If you're not happy with it, you can leave. Um, that's a really common one. Some people like to leave their OG clients at the same price, it's something that I've done a lot. It's just like people that helped me formulate all the systems that I help have now. Typically, they stay at the same price, but anyone new is coming in at a new price. They gets to a point that if you have good retention, that that's actually like hurting you quite a bit um, when you look at it. Like the, if the session or or coaching price or whatever's 10, 20 bucks different per person across forty people, it's a pretty substantial um, discount that you're actually giving those people. And most of them will be willing and able to pay what your service is currently worth as well because they'll see value in it. That's why they stay with you for so long. Um, so yeah, give them four weeks notice, send out an email. If you can justify the why, that's obviously really beneficial as well. And just be confident in it and you'll be sweet. 
Cool. All right. That was, that was fun. Um, yeah. We haven't done a Q and A for ages, so we might do these a little more often moving forwards. Um, it's probably, it's been a while since we had a guest and might start looking around at that as well. If anyone has anything that they'd like us to talk about and, and really unpack and deep dive on, let us know if there's anyone you want us to get on, let us know. Um, yeah. And any, any other feedback you'd like to give about the podcast we're we're always open to that. In terms of announcements, we have our sell without selling uh, workshop, which is the ninth. So this will come out on the third. So next Thursday at 1230 uh, Eastern standard time. If you guys are just in a, in a point where you're lacking confidence with selling, you feel like you have to convince people asking for money still gives you sweaty palms and stresses you out. You're closing anything less than 75% than this seminar is for you. We're going to unpack how to get people coming to you for coaching for a start. Then we're going to walk through the process that we use to close Jason and I 99%, our team all over probably 85% um, and how you can apply that to your business, whether it's face-to-face or online, the models will apply to both. So for tickets to that, at stcfit underscore learning on Instagram, link in bio, that'll take you to the tickets. Uh, we also, Jason Nat on STC Fit the following Thursday at 7.30 p.m. So a night session, we'll be covering phasing the diet to look good naked. Uh, so Jace, what are we covering in that one? All the variables involved in like, nutrition so we talk about like the nuances um all that all that data um and all the all the variables in terms of like macros and calories and you know making it work for in you know people making it individual like that's a that's quite an important thing uh and then the steps of like micromanagement as well like what change do we make when this happens you know if we we start to be a little bit i guess like uh pre and post uh, reactive, like re- reactive and proactive. So it's like reactive is when it happens, you know, proactive is like we're thinking this is going to happen. Um, and then just how to block your nutrition because everyone phases their training and everyone thinks about like, you know, what nutrition, uh, so what their training blocks are going to be like. It's like we really can do the same thing for nutrition as well. And that's going to be, uh, it's a really effective to tool to use to, I guess, like just progress people on from one goal to another, you know, rather than having those clients or being that client that is always just losing that 10 kilos, that same 10 kilos. It's like, no, just take the right approach, learn the variables, know how to make decisions based off the information and data um, and set new goals and move on. Yeah. The biggest outcome we want to achieve with that one is avoiding that I've been dieting forever, which is what a lot of people have. So yeah. Yeah, if, if you're a coach and you're looking at getting into a space where it's like you create a dieting phase and then a maintenance or surplus phase and cycling through that to get long-term outcomes for your clients, uh, it's worth tuning into. It's obviously going to be spoken through a two-client lens, but super valuable for the PTs out there as well. Hmm. Uh, lastly, standout PT intake has officially opened. So we're six weeks away from that uh, October 10th, I believe is kickoff date. It's definitely October. Um, so yeah, we talk about standout PT here all the time. It's a two, two cycles of a 12 week course covering mindset, business model, your service sales and technical proficiency. So if you're at the moment in a position where you feel like you're working a job, you're not making the money that you feel you should be for the time investment. You can't just keep trying stuff, but not really figured out where the next step actually is and how to feel comfortable and secure in your business. Uh, this course is for you. So at SCC Fit Learning again, link in bio, standout PT, or just go direct to www.stcfitlearning.com forward slash standout. And it'll all be there as well. If you're unsure, if you think that the course should be for you or not, we have a scorecard on our website as well. So it's one of the top headings, just scorecard. Go and check out how you stack up against what we teach in the course. So it'll rate your business across all five of those pillars. See where you currently are, where the low hanging fruit is and what would actually make a difference. And then you can decide from there 
whether bringing up that low-hanging fruit will make a really big difference in your business and career. If you want to follow me, it's at Ben Scott STC. If you want to follow Jason, it's at Jason Galea underscore STC. I remember this week, uh, even though Jason doesn't know his either. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find it. You'll find me. Yeah, it'll be on there. Yeah. Um, and don't forget, if you're, if two weeks is too long, uh, subscribe to the STC Fit podcast as well, which comes out on the alternate net week to this one, which Jason and I alternate on with Nat, uh, which is our two-client directory where we talk all things strength and body composition. That was it. Bang. All right. Good Thanks, up, everyone, guys. for tuning Thanks, in. Thanks, guys. We'll see you, next see you time. in a couple of weeks.